This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, March 13th. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, floodwaters put Norwood on alert. Transfer lawsuit dropped in groundbreaking development. Colorado legislature hits halfway point. And a mountain weather forecast. But first... One week after going live on October 3rd, 1975, KOTO broadcast its first Telluride Town Council meeting and has continued to provide this valuable public service ever since. Show your support for your community radio station by donating at KOTO.org. And thank you. This past weekend, the town of Norwood experienced significant flooding, both in the village center and in the low-lying residential areas skirting its perimeter. Emergency Manager for San Miguel County, Shannon Armstrong, says it all began on the morning of Saturday, March 11th. And what we ended up seeing was a combination of additional precipitation in the form of rain combined with some warmer temperatures. And what happened is a lot of the fields that are to the south of Norwood that drain towards the town of Norwood, they all started to melt off at once. And again, that was combined with uh, the precipitation that we were getting. And so unfortunately, the amount of water that came off all at once just overwhelmed uh, the drainage system in the town of Norwood. Water lay stagnant in the streets and breached the basements and front rooms of some low-lying homes. The sudden inundation is further evidence of the significant snowfall the region has seen this winter. Armstrong says that snow is certainly a good thing, given the ongoing drought in the West. But of course, it will make for a messy spring. And we, you know, we've been pretty blessed out here to have a lot of snow come down this winter and a lot of snow with a lot of moisture in it. But the flip side to that is when we start to get into spring and get these warm temperatures, then it starts to melt, right? So... Um, yeah, so definitely not something that we see um, on this scale very frequently. Marsha West, who has lived in Norwood for nearly four decades and has a house in the village, was startled on Saturday morning by the sheriff knocking on her door. He said to come around to the side, and I opened the door, and oh my gosh, there was water right up to the ledge of my kitchen. Uh, it filled, the water filled my sunroom. Amidst the rising waters, West says the sheriff's office and other responders we're managing the situation. You know, they were out and about and the fire department and the town, the town was out on their backhoes and digging ditches. And one of the uh, EMT, uh, Tom Meehan, came in with his sub pump and, and, and pumped out the water out of my uh, sunroom, which was so awesome. I don't know, within an hour or two, you know, they, they at least with my property, they, they had it handled. No severe damage or injury was reported, but the situation impacted a handful of homes and resulted in many close calls and tense situations for residents. Armstrong adds there's more snowmelt to come, and residents should be prepared. You know, the best thing that, that people can do is if they were impacted and did end up getting water in their house, um, to take the time now to do whatever they can to mitigate that. The town of Norwood does now have about 100 filled sandbags that are ready to go for people to use if they need them. And so that can be a resource, too, if, if, it, if people want them, they can just call the Norwood Town Hall. The town of Norwood and its public works department are also staying vigilant. Speaking on Monday, Norwood Town Administrator Patty Grathmeyer says 
They're watching the weather closely. We'll divert water where we can. We've got three retention ponds on uh, South Pine Street, and we're watching those to make sure that those empty slowly now on days like today so they'll be able to take more runoff on days like maybe tomorrow where it is um, going to be forecasted to be 49 degrees. Grathmeyer agrees the day was a lesson in community action and neighbors helping neighbors. The old saying, it takes a community, it certainly does. The gratitude that we feel towards our community and, and that's what makes Norwood Norwood is everybody pitches in. Resources for Norwood residents can be found at the town hall or by calling 970-327-4288. With warmer weather and lengthening days, the rumble of construction is returning to Telluride. That construction might soon come to a project of note for many in the Telluride community, the Transfer Warehouse. This follows a decision made late last month of a judge in the San Miguel County District Court to dismiss a lawsuit brought against the project. Telluride Arts board member Todd Brown says the news comes with big implications. We are now free to start construction. Uh, that was one of the major holdups to going ahead, but luckily it didn't hold us up too much. It's just been a lot of anxiety and uh, wringing of hands and nervousness. In the summer of 2022, Thomas Archiplay II, a neighbor to the transfer warehouse, brought forth a lawsuit alleging the proposed redevelopment project violated noise ordinances. And he claimed town's approval process for the project was flawed. Last week, Archiplay and his legal team dropped the lawsuit entirely in response to the judge's February decision. Director of Telluride Arts Kate Jones reports, in the meantime, they've been finalizing project designs. We've just been moving forward with the assumption that this lawsuit would be resolved so that we can actually break ground in the spring. Um, if you've seen some activity over there, it's because we did a lot of forensic work. Uh, we did we scanned the walls, we scanned the ground, we found any um, voids. We actually were able to locate the historic basement. All of these things are um, necessary information for this uh, design scope and engineering scope. Construction could not begin during active litigation. Now that hurdle is clear. Additionally, the lawsuit's dismissal will release a large chunk of funding, including a $3 million grant. Here's Jones. So that's uh, a giant leap forward for us. But we also have um, some money to raise before we break ground. So it's sort of pedal to the metal, um, trying to finalize our fundraising for the whole project, for the completion of the project, um, so that we can actually break ground this spring. The whole warehouse project has been a nearly decade-long effort, and final fundraising is still ongoing. Nevertheless, Brown says last week's news was a relief. It's certainly a big weight off of our shoulders. Kate and I have been in this process for eight years now, feels like. At least. Something like that. And this was, in the grand scheme of things, uh, a big hurdle, but not something that would stop us. And now that it's gone, we really feel good about prospects going forward and 
get this project built for the community. Thomas Archipay II and his legal counsel declined to comment for this story. There is still ongoing litigation against Telluride Arts at the federal level, but that suit will not prevent construction from going forward. The 2023 legislative session is halfway through. In this installment of Capital Conversation, KOTO State House reporter Lucas Brady Woods brings the latest. Hey, Lucas, thanks for taking a couple minutes to chat with me today. Thank you, as always, for having me. So, the first thing that I wanted to touch on is the legislature is halfway through the session for this year. And last week, Republican lawmakers kind of um, kind of stepped up to confront some of the things that the Democrats have been working on for the past couple months. Can you just share a little bit um, what they were criticizing and, and what happened? Yeah, so we are halfway through the session now, um, a little bit over halfway after last week. That it means that uh, we have just over 60 days left to go. And um, on the halfway mark last week, Republicans held a little press conference where they aired some grievances in their words. And they criticized the Democrats' approach to various issues, including substance use, housing, guns, and, and others, public safety, um, that, and and they they really made a plea to the Democrats to work more across the aisle to sort of step away from some of their ideological stances. And I asked the Republicans, you know, if the Democrats aren't going to budge, I said, what about your your caucus? Is your caucus going to budge? And they said that they will also not be moving from their ideological stances. So I, I think it's pretty unlikely that much will come of that. Um, however, you know, they, there's, there's definitely some bipartisan work going on in this house, in, in this General Assembly, but um, at the same time, it is divided between the Republicans and the Democrats, and, and the Republicans really don't like Democrats' approach to a lot of these issues, but don't have much they can really do to oppose it, even though they, they really want to. Speaking of one of maybe not um, a bipartisan solution, but a bipartisan concern has to do with property taxes in Colorado. Um, your reporting has noted that, you know, property taxes are have gone up. They're probably likely going to go up. And that's something that lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are concerned about. Um, what are lawmakers, both Republicans or Democrats, doing to address this issue? There was a Republican-sponsored bill last week that went before committee that would have done a few things. Essentially, it would have delayed property valuations until 2025 and gone back and raised the ones from 2022. What essentially that would do would put a freeze on property taxes for the next couple of years. And the problem is, you know, property values have been skyrocketing, and that also makes property taxes skyrocket. So lawmakers and governors expect property tax payments to be extremely high this year, um, and that's what they're trying to avoid. Now, Democrats sidelined this Republican proposal and have yet to come forward with one of their own. POLA has yet to put forth a 
specific proposal, but he did call on lawmakers in the state of the state address earlier this year to put aside $200 million in tax relief funding. So we'll see what happens with that. As we mentioned earlier, the legislature is halfway through its session. This is also just past your halfway mark on covering your first legislative session. Is there any um, fun moment or really poignant um, experience from your time at the Capitol so far this year that just really sticks out to you? There are really are so many. <laughs> As someone who's going through this for the first time, you know, it is really one after another here at the State House. Um, things are really fast paced. But, you know, I think what what has really struck me most is sitting in these committee meetings. Um, and, and there's something that, you know, the public doesn't think about as much as, you know, votes on the House or Senate floor. But committees are where the really nitty-gritty work gets done and where all the witnesses are heard, you know, people from the public who are affected by these bills or would be affected by these bills come and testify. And it's it's kind of restored a little bit of my faith in American democracy because these lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are discussing, asking really constructive questions and in committee are less beholden to the public image, the political image of their vote. So you see a little bit more flexibility with the votes in the committees than you do on the floor. And between that and the witnesses who testify, who really are so passionate about these issues and have such incredible personal experiences with these issues, it really is, you know, seeing people come together to discuss these issues from many different walks of life and debate and, and, and come to some sort of agreement or not. And, you know, it's really a, a great example of how this process works and that much of the time it does work. Oh, that's really beautiful. Um, Lucas, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to chat with me and we'll check back in again with you next week. Thank you so much as always. That was KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reporting from Denver. Sometimes, some of the most important topics of conversation are the hardest. But the Wilkinson Public Library is offering a space to make the tough conversations, hopefully, a little easier. Next week, the library is hosting another of its community conversation series to discuss everything from mental health and substance use disorders to sex education for parents, advocacy against sexual assault, community diversity, equity, and inclusion, and LGBTQIA conversations. The conversations will take place in two parts. The first will be a presentation on the topic from experts in the area. The panels will include representation from members of the community. The second half will be a Q&A for those in attendance. Organizers note participants are welcome to speak and to share their experiences. But they add individuals are also welcome to join, simply listen, and take a brochure or piece of information. The next community conversation will take place on Tuesday, March 14th at 5.30 p.m. at the library. The conversation topic will be sexual assault and harassment. Telluride is the seventh best ski resort in the West for 2023, according to Ski Magazine's Resort Guide. The magazine notes Telluride's beauty, small-town nature, and terrain as highlights, 
but adds the resort and town are hard to get to and expensive. Telluride beat out other ski resorts, including Vail, Crested Butte, and Park City, but lost to Whitefish, Whistler, Banff, Aspen, Deer Valley, and Sun Valley, which took the top spot. On April 7th, retired Navajo coal miners who are suffering from the effects of black lung disease will hold an informational meeting on opportunities for compensation and other benefits through the Department of Labor. The meeting will take place in Farmington, New Mexico. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Chris Clements of KSJD has more. The meetings are hosted by Orphelia Thomas, a member of the Navajo Nation and Community Liaison for Positive Nature Home Care, LLC. Thomas says the condition, otherwise known as co-workers pneumoconiosis, is non-reversible, and that retired miners suffering from it who worked in the Navajo mines say they feel mistreated by their past employer. Some of these miners, they stated that when they were working that, you know, they really didn't know what was going on. These miners know conversational English. They don't know the death and the severity part of any medical issues that they may they have questions on. So a lot of them said that, you know, they never told us this. He never told us this. Thomas also says that she knows of many elderly people that still live by these mines and have issues with respiratory illnesses. They they talk with you like you're their, their, um, their child, their children. They said, my child, please help me. And they say that's Navajo. And when an elderly person tells you this, it, it kind of helps and it motivates you to have this word out. She added that she also advocates for uranium miners, but shifted her focus to retired coal miners after it became apparent that there was a need for it in the community. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a chance of snow showers tonight with a low near 20 degrees. Tuesday calls for sunny skies and a high near 45. Tuesday night should bring clouds and a chance of snow with a low near 30. Wednesday calls for snow showers possibly turning to rain with a high in the low 40s and Wednesday night should bring snow with a low near 25. This has been the news for Monday, March 13th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. We would like to thank everyone who has donated to Kodo during our winter fun drive. A huge thank you to Carrie and Joe DiStefano, Carmen Gerber, Alec Bogus, Grace and Paul Enbring, Sue Hobby, Kathleen Morgan, Tom Nading, Steve Treese, Charles Williams, Shannon Westevere, Trenton Stover, Rob and Gwen Renberg, Margaret Orloff, Cindy O'Bran, Jamie Roche, Jason Hartman, Donna Fernald, Ward Baker, Megan Knowles, Teresa Koenigsnacht, Laura Kudo, Jim and Sue Lincoln, Jay London, Jim Looney, Erica McDonald, Carol Morgenstern, Randy Podolsky, Gary and Kim Richard, Tim Torito, Stacy Tixay, Dave Valentine, J.D. Weiss, Mike Silver, Mindy Smith, Brad and Jennifer Tate, Andrew and Sarah Milder, Deidre Montoya, and Sarah Landerieu. Thank you all so much. <laughs>